As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. On this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15, we'll dig into the surging Chicago White Sox. Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. I have That's not had uh, three cold brews yet. It works great in a fantasy. Three. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Monday, February 22nd. I'm Al Melker. I'm here with Derek Van Riper. And DVR, it seems like a long time ago, but uh, it seemed like early on this offseason, the White Sox were one of the more active teams. And, of course, the Padres and several others have have sort of stolen the spotlight. But um, eager to dig into this uh, White Sox roster. Yeah, me too. I would give them the bronze medal for the offseason. You know, they were exciting early and got passed, as you said, but plenty to like on this roster. Yeah, certainly. And so to help us uh, sort it all out is James Feagan. He is the Athletics beat writer who covers the White Sox. So James, thanks so much for joining us and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, let's get right into it because there's a lot to to get to here. And, uh, you know, I don't know that there's a whole lot of need to talk about um, uh, the, the big bats in the lineup, Jose Abreu, Eloy Jimenez, Tim Anderson. I, I think from a fancy perspective, we've gotten a good idea of what to expect from those hitters, but Yohan Moncada, I think, is going to be sort of a uh, polarizing player going into the season. So looking back now to 2019, do you think that that season was more of an outlier or maybe a sign of things that we could expect in 2021? Well, it certainly looks like the outlier, right? Um, certainly in talking about it during the time it's happening, you know, you have to acknowledge like the crazy parts of it. It's a, like it's someone hitting for very high average with a, a very high strikeout rate. It's an extremely high uh, BIP. It's a uh, elite exit velocity, which makes you, you know, a little bit happier with the contact, but it's, it's, it's like good power, but not like insane uh, where, where you kind of can rely on that. So it was already kind of polarizing just if you didn't have the 2020 season to, to respond to it. And then, yeah, there's a, you're all, you always, especially in spring training, hear a lot of like, uh, explanations for why somebody's going to bounce back. But 
Yuan has something very concrete to it. He had COVID-19 right before, uh, you know, the 2020 season. He was someone who described the effects uh, in great detail, that he felt he couldn't work out the way he normally did, that he was uh, winded consistently. You could see it watching him play, that um, it, it would sapped away from him, uh, you know, basically any of, like, his stolen base uh, threat that he used to have. Um, it clearly, like, his exit velocities, like, leaked away in a way that, you know, backed up his idea that it sapped him strength. And now he's coming in, you know, I talked to him in January and he says like, you know, I, I'm doing everything again. Like I don't, I feel fully recovered. I feel strong. Yes. He was like a long hauler uh, with COVID effects, but he feels like he's free of it. So that does give you a concrete reason to buy, but also we're talking about still kind of really uncharted territory for what a guy who's gone through these effects looks through a year later, or especially you know, maybe he feels good to his off-season training now, but how will that affect his ability to hold up for 162? So, yeah, I think he's going to be better than 2020, but as far as, like, yeah, he's just the same guy again, the switch has flipped back on, it's 2019 again, I would be really wary. I, I mean, it's great to hear from him that that's what, well, but we're really, like, in uncharted territory as far as, like, he's just going to recover back to, to what he was, uh, given that what he was was already his kind of wild, weird profile as is. So, um I, I would probably, as someone who's covering the team and, and, and covered a story of recovery, I would still be like, let, let's see it before I really say this is going to happen. All right. Well, and uh, also we have a new manager to take into account, Tony Larusa. Well, a, a new manager to the White Sox. Uh, and one of the questions that I would have in terms of uh, a change in management that could have a real impact in fantasy has to do with Nick Madrigal. And I've been a little bit surprised at how early he's gone in the, the few early drafts that I've done so far. Do you have any sense of how aggressive LaRusso will be with the running game? I would say, I mean, he hasn't really talked with it a ton. Um, I would say that's definitely going to be part of his game. I don't think it's going to be like you know, absolute willy-nilly green light. Um, he, he talked a little bit about um, kind of his system that he, he had in Oakland. I don't know if that would necessarily translate to what he has here, but I would think Madrigal is a guy who's in a position to, uh, you know, probably steal 10 to 20 uh, with a full season, you know, assuming he's going to be on base a lot. But I didn't necessarily see indication that there was like, an elite skill there. And I didn't see indication that he has gotten to the point where he's earned a green light. Um, and will just be able to still, um, unabated. Also, I kind of expect him to bat, you know, seventh, eighth or ninth at this point in his career. So that's going to be something that would limit opportunities as well. Um, it's definitely an element of his game, but I wouldn't say I would think or draft him you know purely because of that reason he's not going to give you nothing on there but I, I don't think he's at the point yet where this is a guy we want him running so he can get 20 to 30 stolen bases yet could be wrong but i i think it's early yet for that still yeah, the top six top seven of this lineup should be among the better lineups in the american league they may not have to run a lot to manufacture runs so i think that could be a factor for a player like madrigal as well let's talk about the rotation for a moment Lucas Giolito, of course, has emerged to be an ace. They made the move to get Lance Lynn this offseason. They brought in Dallas Keuchel last offseason. So now you've got a trio up top that's really solid. Two open spots, really, I think, in the fourth and fifth position. A decent number of candidates for those spots, too. How do you see the fourth and fifth starter spots shaking out, at least to begin the season, James? I mean, if everything, I think their plan for how it would play out if things go right is that I know Cease is their guy for the fourth slot because that that's their, he has the highest overall ceiling in their view 
uh, of the guys there, and they have that kind of straight line plan for him. Carlos Rodon will probably win that fifth spot if he's healthy, which has been you know a phenomenally large if for him for four years running now. He doesn't have an option, so you know if they really decide that like Ronaldo Lopez just looks lights out to keep Rodon on in a, in a reasonable form, it still kind of behooves them to to give him a shot there. Whereas they can, you know, send Ronaldo to AAA, they could probably mix him to the bullpen, you know, with, uh, you know a smoother transition than Rodon certainly dealt with last year when he was put there. Um, so Ronaldo is certainly in a, a situation where he's kind of the backup and, and kind of things need to swing around. And th- that, of course, brings a lot of uncertainty to say how many innings or how many starts he will get uh, this season. And Kopech is in a... You know, they've talked about him really strangely. I think, uh, you know, Rick Hahn compared him to Julio Urias um, the other day in talking about how they would manage his innings and how it could be a mixture of starts and relief and how he's going to be staggered toward the end of the season so he's not running out of his, uh, you know, they're clearly limiting his innings. Uh, there's not like a, you know, a Strasburg-like cat, but um, they want him to not be shut down at any point. So he might start later so he can run through all the playoffs. Um, it... it, it you can't count on, you know, 25 starts for Michael Kopech in the least. So from everything we've heard. So as far as like, who's going to be a regular starter, your most likely bet is, uh, you know, Cease and Rodon there. But obviously that comes with a huge caveat for Rodon of just, you haven't gotten regular starts for him for four years. So why would you necessarily assume that's going to be the case now early season, just like a guy you're grabbing uh, on a whim. Uh, that's probably the most likely fifth starter. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The White Sox have made a pretty big investment in their bullpen, signing Liam Hendricks. It really answers one common question we've had on all these team preview episodes. Who's getting saves? I mean, that should be Liam Hendricks at 95-plus percent of the time. Maybe if it's three consecutive days or something, they go to somebody else. But this bullpen as a whole looks like a strength, and maybe it's got a few names in it that people aren't that familiar with. Uh, is Garrett Crochet a part of this bullpen? Is he pr- pretty much locked into being a reliever at least to open 2021? Uh, yeah, they, they said not only is he a reliever for 2021, but he's going to start in the majors in 2021. So he's basically, uh, you know, they just announced that Jace Fry had a back procedure that's going to keep him out for the first month. So, you know, Garrett Crochet is one of the two lefties that they have in the bullpen along with, uh, Aaron Bummer. Um, yeah, I, I think you're right with, um, it's a pretty clear save picture as far as Hendricks. Um, you know, he, Hendricks will be the one to tell you that he absolutely wants to pitch three days in a row or that he wants to throw multiple innings and, I think the White Sox, uh, you know, looking at the depth of their bullpen, don't want to really do that. So you could see one or two here and there when they need it. They certainly have guys in Hoyer, guys in, uh, you know, Bummers has, has a, some career saves in the past. 
who can who can pick that up. But yeah, it, it's pretty clear from that standpoint. Um, but yeah, I, I, Crochet, I, I wouldn't see him getting any saves, but I would see him getting um, multiple inning outings, uh, you know, across the season. Is there any chance that Crochet at some point in 2021 gets into that rotation mix, or are the indications that he'll be exclusively a reliever for this year? If it would be, it'd be something fluky like he's going to open and throw two innings. Uh, I, I, he's his. They are all about what's his inning base last year. Let's increase it by thirty to forty, and that's it. So for Crochet, between his college season, which was like three and two thirds innings. And then like 10 innings in the majors, you know, building him up is like basically a reliever. So that's what they're using him at. He, they could, they're stretching him theoretically, uh, to get him to 67 innings in relief. So I, I don't think getting anything approaching starting length from him is, is in the, in the cards at this point or something they could really fit into his allotment. Uh, well, you know, looking ahead, particularly for those who maybe uh, have him in dynasty leagues, is there a longer term plan to stretch him out as a starter? Chris Getz said as soon as next season, they want uh, they're thinking about him as a starter. And obviously, if that goes well enough in the majors uh, with relieving, that could be in the majors uh, next season. Lance Lynn's on an expiring deal. Uh, you know, Carlos Rodon's obviously a, a, a one year guy at this point. Um, that'd be the, you know, the. You have to see how things will work out with Cease and, and Lopez and uh, um, whoever's the guy. Kopech, that guy. Um, but there's there's room in their depth chart where you could see that, where they would have a need and he could fill it in. And certainly if he impresses and if he's healthy, again, a monumental if, given that he had an injury that delayed his season in college and then he got shut down in the middle of that playoff game. Um, so, but yeah, that, that's that's a potential thing. That's, that's certainly something they've, they've nodded at. So I, I wouldn't give up on it by any means. So there is a there's certainly a school of thought of like if he comes a shutdown reliever, you know, they wanted Josh Hader to be a starter one day, uh, but you know that kind of went out the window. So once that once you get a little far down that road, it does become a question of you know if they just get married to him being a lights out reliever. Yeah. So so the intention is the the Chris Sale trajectory, then uh, not the Hader one. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, well, sticking with the uh, the youth movement here, uh, Andrew Vaughn is certainly one of the young players that we're eagerly anticipating seeing in the majors. Uh, is the expectation that he'll spend a little time in the minors first, or could he open the season on the major league squad? They still talk about him the way they've talked about everybody, like Eloy, like Luis Robert, like Nick Madrigal, where, you know, yes, he's the starter uh, for the next season, but they're going to talk about him being in the majors uncertainly until they work out, um, you know, the, uh, the service time, the extra year of service time they want to get. So with Robert Jimenez that played out and signing a big extension before the season started with Madrigal that worked out in him missing exactly the number of days he needed to get an extra year of control. Um, with Vaughn having already have, uh, you know, third overall pick, uh, signing bonus in, in, in his, uh, bank account. I would probably expect him to be staggered out. But it's been very clear the messaging from the whole offseason that he is their uh, you know option for kind of mixing with first base CH with Abreu. And they literally signed absolutely nobody to block him whatsoever. Um, you're, the guys that you're in front of him in, in DH at this point are like people like Zach Collins who haven't really had a prolonged major league shot themselves. So it's a very clear uh, runway for him. But... I, I at this point something needs to change before I'm convinced that he's uh, going to Anaheim for the first day of the season. 
All right. Well, uh, that's really some good information to have, James. So uh, thank you so much for uh, helping us uh, sort out this roster. Really appreciate it. Um, that's going to be all for this episode of Fancy Baseball in 15. If you're listening to this podcast on a platform that lets you leave a rating and a review, we always do appreciate it when you take the time to do that. So, uh, James, thanks again. Really appreciate dropping in and uh, dis- discussing the White Sox with us. My pleasure. Also my job. <laughs> all right. Well, <laughs> we appreciate all that you do. So for James Vegan and for Derek Van Riper, I'm Al Melkier, and we will be right back here on Tuesday. <laughs>